thank you so much for being on here. Uh, you're one of my, you know, probably more recent uh, jujitsu instructors that I've been training with, and uh, your black belt. Uh, you've been training jujitsu now. Uh, yeah, it'll be thirteen years in in October. Okay. Yeah. And when did you start going to CTA? Because I, I saw that you did another podcast the other day and I noticed that it said you were training with somebody else for a little bit. Could you kind of like describe like your journey, kind of how it played out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, started off learning kickboxing or Muay Thai. Okay. Uh, and that and that was outside of Caesar Gracie's Academy. Like so Caesar Gracie's HQ in Pleasant Hill. Um, okay. But I didn't really do any jujitsu until uh Kaioteha was brought on to be uh the the head program director for the jujitsu program there Caesar had brought him on oh, so okay. yeah so up until up until then um I had only did Muay Thai and I would jump into class every now and then if my my Muay Thai schedule allowed because I was getting mm -hmm. ready for amateur fights and things like that okay yeah but then once uh once Kyle was brought to the to, um, to Caesars, and Caesars was telling me like, oh yeah, this guy's a really good instructor. He's you know really good at jujitsu, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and then I just saw firsthand like how little guy you know because he literally right. was the same size as me you know um, was just beating up on everybody. I was like, holy crap, you know like this is unbelievable. <laughs> and um, and it wasn't until I took a class from him where I was just like, all right, I need to do, do I need to be doing more than just hopping into a random class every now and then when I can. Mm. So I stopped doing Muay Thai and I completely signed up for jujitsu simply because of, of Kyle. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so I got my blue belt from, um, from Kyle and Caesar before I moved out to Arizona. So uh, that was in like the beginning. Uh, end of 2008 yeah end of 2008 because I moved I moved to um I moved to Arizona pretty much into the beginning of 2009 okay and then when I was in Arizona that now I was under Gustavo Dantas and then from and then I was only under him and then when I moved back home then I was back under um Professor Kyle again got so, it yeah now that's really interesting too and I mean it's just so appropriate that you see him like just like the one of the smallest weight classes and then you kind of witness that technique and it kind of blows your mind because that's that's exactly what happened to me when I was like going into class and I one of my first jujitsu classes and I found some like one training partner that I was like oh he's smaller than me maybe I have a chance and then I was just getting swept every time and just ending <laughs> up like oh, why am I looking at the ceiling now and it's just it, it blows your mind at first and then you realize well, no this is something that I really have to study because there's not just strength involved yeah yeah i i remember my very first class with with uh, with professor and i believe he was teaching like a like a just a scissor sweep like a basic basic mm -hmm. scissor sweep and my mind was blown i was just kind of like oh my god no one's ever explained technique with that amount of detail to me before right like, never explained why things were so important and for whatever reason um I don't, and you gotta think too, at that point, he wasn't completely fl fluent in English yet, at least teaching mm -hmm. in English. Like he could have conversations, but he, you know, he still had to have someone translate for him when he was teaching. Mm. Um, but it made so much sense. Like 
everything like it was like a light bulb just went off and um and immediately I was just kind of like that's the kind of jujitsu I want I want that jujitsu I want it I want it to be like like technical and I want it to look effortless and um and I want it so that well people will look at me and like they wouldn't expect me to be like as good as I am for someone my size, you know, being right. smaller, you know, at that time I was the only female, um, mm. pretty much on the mat. So, you know, like I kind of felt like I had to prove something like, yes, and no, not like, I didn't re- I know I didn't have to prove anything. Um, but like, I felt like, man, if I really want to be good at this sport, like really, really good, I'm going to have to really pay attention to these details. Um, because once he started teaching it's, it's just like, wow, jujitsu makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and no, I definitely. just, you know, there's no turning back. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's exactly how I felt. And when I went to one of your classes too, and I got that sense of the details, because once I started going to more classes and I went to the headquarters for the first time, I realized like all the black belts have Kyle's jujitsu and like most people have his teaching style too. Like everyone emphasizes the details and it's almost an overwhelming level of detail. I know I've heard of stories with yeah. him, like him, it's an overwhelming <laughs> level but like yeah. with you or with other teachers, I just, the, the amount of details, while it starts to get overwhelming, it helps a lot because it has you thinking about each step of the technique or little things that you might be messing up on. Because something I figured out was that there's always a specific detail that you need to focus on. So like, say if I'm stuck on an arm bar and I'm like, I can't step over, right. It's the reason why I'm not leaning over or it's like, it's just the little details that that really like stood out to me as more important than just, Oh, just drill it over and over or just, uh, just study the move, just watch videos on the move, but just breaking it down by the details and having a detail for each step of a technique was super helpful. Yeah. Um, it's exactly the reason why, like, I, I really gravitated towards his teaching style because whoever, like, you know, not that the instructors were, weren't good, but you know, before, mm-hmm. um, professor got there but it was it was very straightforward very basic you know like oh mm-hmm. you put your hand here you put your hand here and then you, you you know you sweep or you grab here you grab there you do this thing with your foot and then arm bar you know mm-hmm. and you know for for someone like me who has a background in dance I was like okay great I was just copying you know mm. so I could mimic and copy everything that I saw but I didn't necessarily understand why I was doing it um Mm. and so therefore it would be like i could mimic stuff but i wouldn't understand why something wasn't working Uh um and and it wasn't until again professor came in and so like okay i'm going to grab here because i need to make sure i need to pull him towards me i'm going to grab make this grip here because i need to secure it close to my body i'm going to put my foot on the hip because i'm going to rotate my hip this way so that i'm at the right angle um, and facing the right direction, you know, like I'm going to do this so that now the person's not heavy and now it's going to make the, the sweep easier. Like all these little things, like, yes, it, you spend a little bit more time having to explain the why, but I, I feel like when someone understands the why, then um, they're not just, if they're, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter if it's a, a scissor sweep or if it's a choke or, um, or if it's an escape or whatever, um, they're understanding the concept of mm-hmm. of what it is that they're doing. So it doesn't matter in what context that they're doing that sweep. Um, from any position, they could recreate it. 
um, at mm. least that's how I felt. And like, uh, you know, whenever I teach, I always have that the Lego piece, um, you know, analogy. And, and, and he was the one that really, uh, he never used a Lego piece analogy, but he was the one that kind of like really got me to be like, yeah, concepts, concepts are like super, super important. Right. And, um, and I was lucky too, that when I was in Arizona, um, you know, my professor, um, Gustavo, like he was always studying all the time, you know, yeah. he, he was always, you know, constantly like watching tape, you know, not just watching tutorial videos, but actually watching video studies of athletes and the top athletes, you know, at worlds and pans. Mm -hmm. And, and he was, you know, almost kind of like an analyst, I would say, you know, he was so good at like, okay, this is, this is what the top black belts are doing right now um, in the top divisions. Uh, here's the trends here, the high success, low success, you know, where, where the athletes are getting in trouble, where, you know, um, when they are in an advantageous position and when they're able to take over, like, you know, take advantage of that, um, or when have they lost, uh, even though they were in an advantageous position, he like, he was a super analyst. And, right. and so I had like, I feel like I had three different, um, styles that kind of formed me in the beginning years, you know, um, I only I only learned directly from Caesar, you know, a very small handful of times. Um, mm -hmm. More of it was just kind of like him saying, "Yeah, you can do that class," or "Hey, why don't you try? Why don't you try this move?" You know, um, or like, "Hey, you should come to this training." You know, mm -hmm. you know, like there was one time where he invited me. He's like, "Hey, we're gonna go to Stockton to train with these brothers. You wanna come?" I'm like, "Oh wow." I'm like, "Okay." And then for me, I didn't know that that was a big deal. Like back then, oh, you know, I was, okay. I was a stupid white belt. I didn't know it. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool, I'm getting invited to the top training, you know, in a different <laughs> gym. I didn't realize that they were like somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You walk in, you're like, whoa, why is everybody? Is everybody no, ever? yeah. No, seriously, I walked in and I was the only person who walked in with a gi. Everybody was doing no gi. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, I only brought a gi, you know. And um, and then I remember uh, Nick, you know, Nick Diaz, he was just kind of like, he kind of just stopped class. And he's just like, you everybody, you see this shit right here? This shit right here? This is the real shit, you know? She's training in the gi. Y'all motherfuckers should be training in the gi. <laughs> she, yeah, okay, dope. cool. You want to train the, you want to train nogi, you want to do MMA, that's dope and all that. But like, for real, if you want to get really good at jujitsu, you need doing shit like this. And I'm like, yeah. you're just I'm like, wow. Hi. I was, yeah, I was just like so white belt. I was like, hi, hi. That's yeah, that does look crazy. White belt that walks in, and then all of a sudden, Diaz is using you for an example. Yeah, it was, it was. It, I was like, huh. So I had a little bit that that old school mentality, which was mm. just kind of like you train hard, you don't complain, you just you just shut up and train. That that was like the old school, you know, Caesar Gracie mentality. That um, anyone who trained with Caesar for a, for a long time, they would all know this, like. Yeah, it's like you don't ask for anything. You just show up to class. You train hard. You get your ass kicked. You get better. Mm. And then, and then uh, Kyle came in. Professor came in, and then he tells like, okay, it's like, well, you could be tough, and that's cool, but like, you also need to have like technique. And technique is really what's gonna what's gonna take your your toughness or your strength to another level. Like, because otherwise, you're just using strength, or you're just using you know, he would say this, oh, you're just using strength, you're just using your size. Mm. Um, it's like you need to use technique you need to use technique so then I had that in my head I was like all right I'm gonna be tough and I'm gonna be technical and then I got to Arizona and I was like the first time I really got 
coached. Um, I'm not saying that Caesar or none of my teammates or that Kyle didn't coach me directly, but it was my first time where I was competing and I had to follow directions mm. because as a white belt, I just did whatever the hell I wanted. People were just like, yeah, go Christina, do whatever you want, you know, like, but when I was a blue belt, that's when it started like, okay, you know, and, and it was such a disconnect, you know, right. Gustavo would say one thing and I thought he meant something else. And I was just like existential crisis. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then from him, then I learned like the analytical um, strategic aspect of, mm. of jujitsu. And so it's just like, wow, if I really think about it, I was really, really lucky. And, and that's so I, really, I, it was, I was about to say, it was just super important to, to realize that, especially because when you're in competition and in people who haven't competed, can't really understand it, but it's almost like a tunnel vision. I just like, I've only competed like three times. And the, this last time it was the first time I could really hear coach Manny telling me stuff. Like the last two times I kind of felt like I was really focused on, on what was going on. And I didn't have like the capacity to listen for coaching. I kind of got like tunnel vision a little bit. So yeah, I feel I, like it's just super important to be able to have that and to learn to have that coaching, go back to the strategy and the game mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. Like I went as a white belt, unless I was fighting, um, unless I was fighting guys or I was fighting, fighting color belt females, I didn't lose. So, um, I had like a big shock when I, you know, my first two times competing as a blue belt, I lost. And I'm mm. like, I know I'm not a blue belt. I'm <laughs> a fake belt, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, and really it was just because it was two things. I didn't know the rules. Like I didn't know that if someone had control of my pant leg and I decided to jump guard. And at that time, you know, well, I was a blue belt already, but I was jumping guard as a white belt. That was legal back then. You can't do it now, but yeah, like I didn't know that if someone had a control of your pant leg and if you jump guard that counted as two points, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't understand. um, I didn't understand points. I didn't understand points. I didn't understand again, how to be coached. I didn't understand, you know, some of the terms that, that my press professor was using. I was just like, I'm so lost, you know? So it, 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 you know, took two hard losses for me to be like, okay, um, I don't need to sit here and just wallow and think that like, oh, this belt is a lie, you know? It's like, I just need to adjust to my new, my new settings, yes. you know? And, and then from then on, it was just like, okay, then it started, getting a lot better you know then I started seeing more results more results like winning more often and getting more of the results that I was used to um but I was like wow I, there's a lot that I have to think about when I'm right. out there you know I can't just go out there and do whatever the heck I want like I have to be considerate of the time I have to be considerate of the points I have to know what advantages are I have to know what the rules are you know mm. like how the heck am I gonna you know compete in the sport and not know the rules um and I will tell you the rules meaning, at least back then, now they're way better. Now they're so much better. But back then it was brutal. Like you don't get like, yeah, you, you literally would have to sit in a room with other, like, you know, with like 20, 30 other people. And then um, at that time it was uh, Professor Alvaro Mansour. And he's, uh, I'm not sure if he's still the director of, of um, referees for the IBJJF, but um I'm pretty sure he still works with IBJF, but he does work with um, Claudia Fonse at BJJ Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love Alvaro, but his voice is like velvet. 
like nice, deep, thick velvet. And if you listen to it, he just speaks so gently and it'll just put, put you, you right to sleep. To sleep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm like, oh my God, this, this information is really important. It's like, but man, his voice is so soothing. It's just like he's reading you like a bedtime story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was brutal. It was like, you know, like five, six hours, you know, like maybe mm. you get like a little break in between and you're just like trying to stay awake. I was like, no, this is important. I need to understand this because I'm going to, I'm a competitor and, you know, I want to, I want to be able to, you know, coach and help my, my teammates. And I want to, you know, I want to be able to be a teacher one day and I need to know how to, you know, teach, I need to teach rules. Uh, but it was brutal. So nowadays it's mm -hmm. a lot easier. Um, That's good. And I would suggest that anyone you know, who wants to be like a serious competitor, or if they just, they're just curious that they should, they should try the rules um, meeting at least okay. once, at least once. Okay. It's better now. Keep that in mind. So much better now. A little, they have like PowerPoints and stuff, stuff to keep. Yeah. You... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They have PowerPoints now and, and depending on the, on the, the course you take, sometimes they even include like a little quiz at the end. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, ooh, quiz, upgrade, wow. And they get through it a lot quicker too. So like, there's, there's, I mean, it depends because it really depends who's in the room. There's always that one guy that's like, well, what if, you know, <laughs> where they have, you know, a question about one of the rules and it just goes down like, you know, the rabbit hole of what yeah. if, what if this, Whole what discussion if that, starts. what if, yeah. And and then we were like, shut the heck up! Let's get through this. Just get through this. Let's get through this. Yeah, and I mean, it, it also brings up a point I want to talk about too, which was like uh, the the mental side of jujitsu, like the studying, the the watching, and not just watching like YouTube stuff and like crazy stuff you want to try, but like watching yourself. I've heard like a lot of professors recently say that you should be watching yourself roll as much as possible too. So you could identify your own mistakes and then watching competitors, watching high level competition and studying it, like breaking it down to mm -hmm. details because that it, it, it just, when I started jujitsu, I realized it was mental and physical and it's mastering both. So the mental side, if I found that I was lacking or if I wasn't paying attention to that, it wouldn't be the growth that I wanted. So I really wanted to, like just bring that up because I feel like a lot of people kind of overlook that side as well. And we're in our school and when you emphasize too, you emphasize studying and, and Kyle and all, all those, everybody over there emphasizes studying like at the online or just taking time to study it because it, it helps you, it helps it ingrain it in your mind. And so in terms of like the mental side, what do you do? Like, do you like study your own film or do you like to study like people in your own weight class or other competitors? Like, how do you usually approach it? Um, I don't typically study people in my division. Uh, I don't, I, at least I don't look too deep into everything that they do. Okay. Because it's a, it's a very fine balance, you know. There are some people who... Um, they watched, you know, too much film, too much video of their opponents, and then they get, they kind of psych themselves out, you know? Ah, uh, okay. All right, they like, they so they overthink, like, oh, I have to be prepared for this, that, 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 that. they're going to mm. do this, that, you know, and, and, um, and it's good to always be prepared, but you don't want to be snake bitten, you know what I mean? Right. Especially because you don't know what you're watching, you know? Um, I always like being able to watch, like, regular matches that haven't been edited, you know, mm -hmm. but every now and then, sometimes the only thing you can watch, you know, are like the highlights. 
right? right. So unless unless a video or footage is being released by like um, something like Flow Grappling mm-hmm. or the IBJJF happens to post it, um, someone who's like unbiased, right? Then that's the only way you're going to actually see like real footage because sometimes, you know, maybe the user themselves or the the um, the person themselves they're the ones uploading the photos and they're not um, or videos and they're not gonna upload videos of them losing right mm-hmm, yeah so um so everything has a balance to it um definitely I like studying um techniques or concepts um or positions that I feel like would be helpful to me you know especially okay. if I am introduced to it in class you know like you know uh, Professor Kyle always does a really good job of introducing us to so many different concepts. Um, some can work well with what I'm already doing. Like, oh, like you can add this to your Delaheva or your spider or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some are just like they're complete new concepts on their own. You know, like, wow, like you have no context for it. It's like, but you can see like, wow, this is really, really effective. So now I have to see how can I integrate this into what it is that I do, you know? Mm. Um, and then watching the tape of yourself, I haven't watched too much tape of myself, um, mm-hmm. except for like post, post a uh, competition. Okay. Um, yeah. Which was really important because, uh, especially like, doesn't matter if you win or you lose, you want to see like, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what mm-hmm. needs, what needs to be worked on or what needs improvement. Um, you're like, Oh, that was like, that was okay, but that could be better. Like that one, like, oh, that was something I, I worked on a lot. And I, and I liked how it, you know, came together, you know, in live action. So uh, there's definitely different aspects of, of it as far as like, this is the strategic um, approach, you know, to, stu- to studying. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the, the other thing that my, my former professor, um, Gustavo, uh, had taught me also was the mental training part as far as having the mental fortitude and um, and being able to perform confidently or being able to mm-hmm. perform without without limitation. Um, so he was a really really um, and he still is, but um, when I was under him, very very big advocate of of um, self help. You know, improving mm. yourself by by really understanding what your limit, uh, limit, limiting behaviors and beliefs were and, and really getting uncomfortable, mm. you know, by facing them. So then you could address them and, you know, you see like, Hey, these are the issues that I have. Like I'm afraid of losing um, my confidence and my self-confidence is all based on what other people think of me. Like things like this, these are, these are common things that prevent people from succeeding. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's in jujitsu or, you know, basketball, baseball, right any sport, right. You know, self-limiting beliefs. Um, and, and he really like, you know, got me to like, Hey, you need to address that you have these fears uh, or you need to adjust because it doesn't matter how much you train, doesn't matter how much you study, how much film, you know, you look at like, for as long as you have this belief in your head or this mindset, you're never going to be able to use any of that information. So that was like the other mm. half that I feel a lot of athletes, ignore uh it's a little bit um i feel like it's more accepted now and it's definitely more talked about now and mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of that is because of a lot of the work that um that you know my my, my professor uh, you know professor gustavo has done um mm-hmm. as far as you know he made the bgj mental coach you know um and then there's a bunch of um other um people who are in the jiu-jitsu community who are also now like 
life coaches or mental coaches of, of some sort, especially okay. in the jujitsu field. So um, definitely people are starting to un- see that, that it's, it's super important. Like mindset changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that aspect is way more important than actual studying of jujitsu. I mean, study jujitsu, it's definitely super important. Um, but you are studying jujitsu, the average person who does jujitsu, studying jujitsu, you know, um, you know, five days a week, three to five days a week, you know, mm-hmm. depending on, on someone's uh, um, activity levels. Right. And so if you're going to class and you're studying the jujitsu, and if you are a competitor, you're going to competition class, you know, you're being put through the, the strategies of what you should do. Right. Um, but no one in, in the class will ever sit you down and be like, okay, now I need you to address your, your top 10 fears. yeah exactly right no one no one does that no one does that Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like these are the things that you have to do um on your own behind the scenes when no one's watching you know of course you could share but like that's that was the hardest that was the hardest Mm -hmm. part of training like and i didn't actually really start picking up on doing it until like 2012 2012 is when i really really um i want to say that i really started doing it um and seeing seeing like a big difference between a scared competitive Christina and an actual com- uh, confident, not fake confidence, but real confidence. Um, mm, I see. You know, because man, I swear, like when I was a purple belt, like any mistake or any loss doesn't matter if it was by you know by submission or by points or advantage or whatever. Like any anything that was seen for me like as a negative was just like, oh my god. I'm not really good. No one's going to want to teach, you know, uh, no one's going to want to learn from me anymore. No one's going to want to be my teammate. It was really bad. Mm. It was like bad extreme. So um, it's really important to have like a good sense of your self-worth and making sure that's, yeah, it's not based on your jujitsu stuff. I mean, at least that's what it was for me. That's how it is for a lot of uh, people who, um, who focus specifically on jujitsu as being like an athlete, like Mm -hmm. a professional athlete. If it's someone who's just, you know, doing it for, for hobby or just for fun or they're not doing it as seriously yet, they may not necessarily have that mi- that mindset. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's impossible, but um, it's definitely more hyper-focused or like, oh my God, jujitsu is all I have. Like, no, it's not. Right, yeah. It can kind of, <laughs> and it's like a different type of tunnel vision. You kind of just focus in on the competitive aspect. And at least for me, it was, I was psyching myself out. And then when I would go to perform, it was a fear of, making mistakes so i wouldn't attempt to to do anything in the first place like the first time i competed i just stayed in guard the whole time and i didn't really like try sweeps or try try like too much because it was like a like i kind of felt like i shut down a little bit once it started and because i didn't have that that real confidence like you were saying so i think like you said just addressing those uh, whatever fears or whatever in your mind that you need to address addressing it first is super important because I feel like a lot of people might put it off or they might not think it's important or maybe it's it's not it's not comfortable to face these things but definitely beneficial for sure so I think that's that definitely helps that definitely resonates because I feel like a lot of people well, I mean, when you start jujitsu, at least for me, when I started, like, there's always an aspect, like, I'm always trying to check my ego with it and, like, trying to, like, keep it under control, just learn from whatever, I learn from getting tapped out, learn from doing good, whatever it is. 
And I feel like if, if people ignore that, then it's going to be even harder for them to accept the shortcomings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, especially with, you know, if you got to think like jujitsu and its roots, you know, Brazilian jujitsu in particular and its roots from Brazil, you know, there, you know, there is a lot of machismo, you mm-hmm. know, especially if you think about like the roots, the roots of jujitsu, you know, with, you know, with the Gracie family and how they used to like, you know, like, just dojo storm fight and like the, fight, fight on the, the beach and, guys and stuff. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like, it's like, yeah, don't do that pussy shit talking about feelings, you know? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. It's all good. Yeah. So like, I'd say, I wouldn't say that mindset is completely gone there. I mean, there's a time and place. Yes. Train mm-hmm. hard, you know, right, like right. Um, even when things get hard, you know, don't, don't have your preset to being complaints like you know try try to push a little more you know um the training is hard well it's like well you signed up for the hard training like Mm -hmm. show up for the hard training and do all the hard training don't just Mm -hmm. do halfway don't quit like you know especially if it's a competition class where everyone is expected to you know perform or to give a certain um have a certain output right Mm -hmm. um it's not a regular class it's like a privileged class like you know it's not a right to be in that class it's it's an invitation it's an it's a privilege right mm. especially that's how it is over at cta uh, hq right um if you don't follow the guidelines and the rules um and if you take advantage of you know the comm training time you can you can be uh prohibited from coming from class to uh to mm. comp class for a while they'd be like hey I, or you know if, if you come in too late or you're coming in late consistently without communicating, you know, if, if it's a work thing or a family thing, you know, like, you know, professors are like, no, you're not doing class today, you know? And um, like, I've been put on probation once, you know, I, mm. um, I, my schedule, you know, we, as a comp class, we all had to take turns, um, you know, clean after training every single day. Mm. And there were a couple times where I missed it because I had to um, get to, teaching over in Hayward or I had I had to mm. rush somewhere else because of my teaching schedule right. um, and so I missed out on a, on a couple of days of cleaning and that got recognized and they like got called out like you missed this many days of cleaning you need to be you don't get to come, come to comp class for for one week and I'm like mm. well shit you know and um, it'd be very easy to be like oh you can't do this to me I need to train blah, blah, blah. you know it's like mm-hmm. no like this is a time for me to actually like, sit and like contemplate like what am I you know why why am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing you know even mm. the bare minimum doesn't it matter if it's cleaning the mats or or whatever you know like if everybody needs to you know put put this effort in and give this bare minimum especially giving back to the gym that's giving to you you know exactly uh and during that time I was just like yeah I was journaling a lot and she's like, oh, feelings. Oh, like, no, those are super important. Like, no, you can't yeah. just, you can't train feelings out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you can, you can use training as therapy for when, you know, I struggle with mental illness. I have depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know a lot of other people um, use jujitsu as forms of therapy. And so, yeah, there is a way to actually work your feelings out through jujitsu. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what kind of feelings are we working out here? Because, the feelings of inferiority or self-confidence or needing to be validated through my jujitsu results, like that doesn't get trained out. 
Right. You know, right. if you just keep going at it, like hard headed, hitting the wall, like you're not going to get through the wall if you just keep throwing yourself at the wall. Mm-hmm. And eventually you got to get smarter and be like, oh, I should probably, you know, read up on how I can get through this wall with tools as opposed to just smashing my head on the wall exactly. and thinking that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break through eventually, you know. Um, and I'm glad that more uh, more high level athletes are recognizing it and talking about it because Mm. um it's one thing it's like if an athlete does something but it's another when they share their process so that Mm. other athletes can see like oh wow like they had to go through that too it doesn't matter if you're a white belt or or like a you know black belt world champion like oh wow they 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 do more than just train hard every day Mm -hmm. yes they do train hard every hard every day but they also have to work on this and if you don't if you don't work on this, um, everything else comes undone. I, exactly. This is, yeah. Like this is literally that's literally like the like the, the the tape or the reinforcement that keeps everything together. You know, that's like if if anything, that's better. That's like the best foundation. You know, um, yeah. You have your your jujitsu fundamentals, but like having a having strong mental mindset that is a very strong uh, foundation for essentially being limitless with mm. your abilities in jujitsu. You could do anything you want because um, you don't have that limit of fear or right. like that limit of, oh, I need to perform X, Y, Z, right? I need, to perform, I need to perform to these standards to make other people happy. And when they're happy, then, the, you know, make me happy, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, and it's really important point that you, that you say that the people will recognize when higher level athletes, because I mean, at least for me, when I, when I really first started, I would look at black belts as like these superheroes, right? Like I would just see them and I was like, wow, these are like really high level people. They've been working at this their whole life. They must not have, you know, problems. Like that's the first thing you think. And then yeah. I started learning and realizing these are just people, people they're, they're just working on their problems like everybody else. And they're just at a further along stage really. And yeah. this is why it's really important to ask for help, to ask for help from higher belts and from people you look up to, because most I found that most like or what happens most often is that a lot of people uh, go through a similar process or similar situations. And all it takes is asking and, and finding out where what other people have done or finding out that you share community with people because of certain things or certain experiences. And that helps so much. And being able to see people like you or whoever just push through problems, address your problems and be open about them to help others that it's super helpful. Yeah. Like Mike, like Mikey Musabesi is like a really, really good example Mm. of of this is where, um, you know, where most people go through, um, like most athletes go through like a slump or like, Oh man, I had, these losses are not getting the results I wanted. You're like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and I'm not doing this to like make fun of it. Cause this is, de- this is definitely me. I was like, Oh my God, right. I'm <laughs> big. Ah, you know, um, his came from actually winning, you know, like, you know, if you, mm-hmm. uh, if you saw his, uh, documentary on soul grappling, right. where he mentions that after he won the worlds at black belt, he, he was sad. You know, he felt really depressed, you know, and, you know, a lot of it was some other stuff that was going on, you know, people were booing and he was mm-hmm. just like, dude, what the heck, you know, what did I do to you guys? You know, why are people booing? He didn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for a lot of people like that would be 
pretty traumatic and pretty shocking you know like you work so hard your entire life right like oh like I work I, I want I'm gonna win this tournament this tournament this tournament and and if you look at Mikey's career like he literally won everything at mm-hmm. he won worlds at every single belt level he could possibly win win worlds at right and he wins at that black belt and instead of like this triumphant success, like, yeah, I finally did it. Mm-hmm. It was like, he gets greeted with booze and it's like, and it broke him. You know, he, he, he said he got really depressed, you know, almost thought like he wasn't going to compete anymore. Like I, and he was just like, man, like I really need to reassess, you know, like what's going on, you know? And, and he says he found God. And um, I think he also looked into like studying, like into like, why was he doing jujitsu in the first place, you know? And he was doing it because he really loved doing it. He wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't doing it for the approval of other people. And, you know, he had to, you know, remember that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and really enjoy love jujitsu again, because, you know, can you imagine that you work so hard for something and then it's just, it's not even anything close to what you thought it was going to be like, you, mm-hmm. you put this, this, this moment on a pedestal and right. you know you like the oh my expectation god for that yeah moment. Mm-hmm. and it was just soured you know and yeah. obviously that wasn't it wasn't his control but it was just kind of like wow that was probably something he never ever imagined or, or expected mm-hmm. and um and he talks about it and he talks about like you know being depressed and and he talked about like again like the feeling of like wanting to quit because of that and um so it's really nice when you hear again one of the best people in the world recognize that these are real issues like these are real things mm-hmm. and and if you don't address them it can cost you the sport it can like you know luckily you know he he was able to overcome again through through like again through spirit and through mind you know that was mm-hmm. that was his that was his his um, way of getting through it um and um and he was and now and now he's you know easily just one, like one of the top 10 you know pound for pound best in the world right um so and and you don't have to be a mikey musa messi to actually start doing that mental training or or understanding that aspect of it you know mm-hmm. for me i was a purple belt when i started and i literally was like i don't need that mental training stuff like i'm fine i just need to train harder I just need to, you know, suck it up and stop complaining. And I was just unwilling to admit that I was afraid of losing. I was so afraid of losing. Mm. And I was afraid of losing because I thought that if I lost, that I would lose everything else too. I would lose my friends. I would lose my team. I would lose like, you know. Mm. And so can you imagine if you try to operate under that much pressure, that's not even real, right? This is pressure that you're putting on yourself. Right. Um, because you be- you're making yourself believe that other people expect expect things from you when in reality they don't, you know. Mm. Um, Becomes a trap for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'd say like uh, it's it'd be really healthy at any level to 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 get into it, and more especially even for white belts because mm. um, you want the white belts to stay in jujitsu until they're black belts. Yeah. And of course, like, we don't want them quitting when they're black belts, but we want them to stay forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, white to blue, that's the hardest, that's the hardest um, place, you know, or that's a place that we lose the most, most students, or we lose the most people because they're a white belt, you know, and either, 
they were doing really well and they had a lot of struggle and then they finally get their blue belt and then they're just like, all right, peace, you know, because now mm -hmm. they have, they have to have a new challenge and yeah, it's kind of like, they were, kind of like a reset mm -hmm, and they weren't mentally prepared to handle like, oh, like now I, I'm a color belt. Now I have all these expectations. Now I'm supposed to perform this way. I'm not allowed to lose the white belts in training. I'm not like, no, no one said that. You yeah. Know, like, self, like, it's a lot of self-imposed expectations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so that's the reason why you see a lot of people quit at Blue Belt, you know, like we're mm. just like, oh, it's just not for me or things. And and, and that all, although that may be true, like life happens, mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's a lot of people who, quit jujitsu at blue belt because there's this new challenge and they're just like uh you know like they don't it was it's not they're not at a place where they feel like they don't have expectations anymore you know as a mm. white belt no one really expects anything of you right yeah i'm not just saying get, that like just keep practicing you know yeah just get, it's not like the... i'm looking at white belts and be like <laughs> you i expect nothing from you <laughs> you have nothing to offer nothing, nothing like that but right. it's kind of like you just want you to learn you know, mm -hmm. we just want mm -hmm. you to have fun, just immerse yourself. And, and blue belt is just another extension of white belt, you know, so, mm. um, but it's another learning belt for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so many people look at like, oh, I'm a colored belt now. I'm like, hey, you know, yeah. calm, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you just just got allowed to do leg locks. Like just. Yeah. It's like, calm yeah. down, calm down. The only thing you got to play, play with is a wrist lock. Play the wrist, you true. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, calm down. You can jump guard now. That's cool, right? <laughs> but, like, you know, um, I'd say blue belt was the funnest belt for me. But for sure, too, there was just, like, that that little crisis. You know, I, it didn't come across mm -hmm. my, my mind to quit at blue belt. But there was definitely was that crisis of, like, oh, my God, I didn't deserve this blue belt. Purple belt was the hardest one. Purple belt's when I felt like I thought I was going to quit. But um, I'm really mm -hmm. glad I didn't. And I did the, the mental training. And, right. And now we're here. <laughs> yeah, no, it... it... So beneficial. And I think for a lot of people at Blue Belt, like like the same thing that they do with winning, they'll put the blue belt on a pedestal. So they're like, oh, I'm gonna get to the blue belt. I'm gonna get to the blue belt. The way I've tried to look at it, I mean, at least personally, was whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I, no, I was good. like trying to see if it's, I could balance this it. website. I know now it's all good. Um they put the blue belt on a pedestal, and then once they get there, it's kind of like, what do I do now? I always kind of try to look at the blue belt as like, okay, that's when you work harder. That's like the, that's an indication of working harder and there's more to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's like, um, it's like the gateway belt, I'd say. Okay. You know, like you, you get your white belt and then you start walking and you're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, then blue belt is kind of like, well, do you want to continue? And you're like, mm -hmm. okay. So then, yeah, you go through and then, sometimes it's like you get halfway through you get like a few of it and then that's when you actually start seeing how much more there is to go oh yeah and you're like, oh, you know like it's not too late to turn back now it's like you know? you're walking up a hill and then you get to blue belt and then there's like a rock side of the mountain that you got to climb a little bit and you're just like oh this is not quite what i expected <laughs> yeah exactly they're all like oh shit i thought this was it and then they're like oh there's more Mm -hmm. You know, and then I feel like the person who's on that path can kind of go about two ways. It's just like, uh, like, I don't know if I want to keep going. This is, you know, this is a good workout for now. You know, like, you know, I just wanted to like dip my feet in. I think I'll turn back, you know, or other people like, you know, I really want to know what's what's further ahead. So, they, mm -hmm. you know, and they go forward, you know, I'd say um, and in most people's opinion, I'd say purple belt's the belt for 
people stay stay like it's very rare where someone gets to purple belt and they just flat out quit um i'd say if they had to quit it was because of like life like real life circumstances like Mm -hmm. either they moved or health issues or something with work um but very rarely does someone make it to purple belt and just quit you know like disappear right you know um so you're like why you know blue belts get so much um they just get so much heat for like mm-hmm. oh yeah you know like blue belts they just disappear you know they get the yeah there's belts, they get the blue and belt stuff. and then they disappear you know and, and it's like all right you know it's like i don't know how long this blue belt's gonna stand here <laughs> <laughs> for real it's like hope you i know, see but, you tomorrow yeah i hope i see you tomorrow you know like you know because you know blue belt Blue belt's the funnest belt, in my opinion. I feel like it is because you don't have a whole lot of expectation on you. Like mm-hmm. you really don't. Like not as much as as people like to see um, believe. But blue belt is a really really fun belt because it's a good combination of like wow, you start getting to really see the opportunities within jujitsu. Mm. Like whoa, I didn't know I could play that kind of guard, or I've never seen that kind of technique. Like, everything is super exciting, right? right. And you want to try everything. Um, but you're also still, again, still at like a, a beginner belt, you know, blue, it's just the beginning of this, you know, scratching the surface. So, uh-huh. um, again, there's not that much expectation, you know, other than like, all right, let's try to apply and put things together, you know, and we just like, okay, you need to try different things and be exposed, which is the reason why you see so many blue belts who are like, wow, they like, um, they're just doing everything. Like, it's kind of hard to see them settle, you know, um, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the with the book or the movie of the Golden Compass or like there's a show on HBO right no, now? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his Dark Materials, which is you know um, their like HBO uh, remake of the actual movie. The movie was supposed to be put up for a trilogy, and it ended up not having a trilogy. It only had that one. I don't know why. It was a really really good movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but um, <laughs> they had this concept where um, you know every living being um in in this universe they have um they have a spirit a literal spirit animal um oh okay yeah which is uh which they call a demon right and um so you know daniel craig was in it and his his um his spirit animal or his demon that that would essentially it's essentially uh, an extension of his actual soul was a snow leopard right so this snow leopard Mm. was its independent animal but um, soul was linked. So if any pain happened to Daniel Craig's character, um, you know, Snow, Snow Leopard would feel it and vice versa, right? Um, but also the, the, the animal or the demon could do other things that the, you know, that the human could not. Like, obviously, they have all of their animal powers, like if they could fly or if they can scale a mountain or whatever, you know, they could do that. But it was essentially like their, their, their spirit animal, right? Now, as a child, um, you know um the form of your of your demon doesn't settle right it like switches forms switches okay yeah so like the main um the main protagonist which is a a young girl um her her demon like goes from being like um like a ferret to being um um a bird to like i think it 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 switches back and forth between like three different three different forms Mm -hmm. um and it's like, oh, essentially, it's just like a visual representation of how, like, our soul, like, hasn't, especially at a juvenile, um, 
set a place in our life hasn't settled yet right Right. yeah like we're still trying to find like who we're supposed to be and what final form we're going Mm. to to you know settle with right and and depending on the mindset of of the person is what you know what that animal is going to you know finally solidify its form as and you could take this um this analogy now you know okay take the nerdy christina back into (laughs) jujitsu um is that that's how blue belts are right okay it's like they're free to explore they're free to like learn all these different things and and it's very often you'll see like a lot of blue belts in the beginning are like oh you don't have a game you know and it's like well they're trying to figure it out you know Mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out what works best for them you know what's going to be a game what's going to be b game what's going to be you know in the back pocket for just in case because i'm probably never going to use it you know, mm-hmm. blue belts at the time are you supposed to be picking up a lot of different things and and trying it out. You know, the thing is, is sometimes mm-hmm. they're picking up way too many things and they get overloaded and then they never get to settle. You know, um, and and that's where I feel like a lot of instructors have a hard time. You know, I feel like the blue belts who are thirsty to learn stay. That's, okay. That's, that's 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 usually how it is. When whenever whenever a student, uh, in any case, is 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 thirsty to learn. Like they're really just like, man, I really want to learn content that I want to learn a new thing. I want to like, all right, like this doesn't feel really comfortable at all, but you know what? Let's learn it anyways. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like the students um, in particular, the blue belts who are really open to that because there's going to be so much information thrown at them at blue belt. um, They end up staying. Right. Mm. And the ones who kind of come in be like, well, I already learned the fundamentals. So right think yeah. i'm good <laughs> you can't reach <laughs> you know? that plateau where you think you're good that's just yeah i, I don't think you yeah. ever get there for sure yeah so and then, and then that's when you start having the mindset that's the, the the mindset where people start to taper off you know i say mm. that's the difference it's like um is someone curious or is someone just unnecessarily um like i want to say cocky but you know like they're just kind of like comfortable yeah 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 yeah. you know like you know there's it's okay to have a certain amount of comfort level but um you 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 can't just be satisfied with you you can't let it cloud like your want for progress right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. yeah like again everything imbalances like if otherwise you'll never be satisfied you know and so again balance of thirst for knowledge, thirst for, you know, for like wanting to see like more and more and more, you know, again, that's how black belts become black belts. It's just like, they just never stopped asking questions. They mm. never stopped being curious. They never stopped wanting to explore. They just always wanted to learn more. Doesn't matter if they are doing a scissor sweep or a basic arm bar, you know, a hundred times in a row, they want to know, okay, in those a hundred times I did an arm bar, like, which ones were the high, you know, high percentage one? Like, were all the arm bars the same? Were they were they a hundred different arm bars, a hundred different styles? You know, um, which one works best for me? Like, I feel like the ones, the people who like really, really good at this sport, um, they just stay curious the entire time, and I, I think mm. that's like a really, really big asset, like um, perseverance and curiosity. That makes a lot of sense. And I, and how do you feel about like the, the idea of like the white belt mindset? Because I've heard some people talk about it and they refer to it as that that curiosity where you have questions about everything. You should try to uh, like keep that as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Like um, I will never be upset 
with a student who has an inquisitive mind. Like mm. sometimes in a class, like, of course, there's a place and time for everything. If, if you have a student who's just like, what if, what if, what if, what if, you know, yeah. like I can answer the what ifs like all day until tomorrow until next week, you know, because there's so many what ifs, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's a time and place in which I would say like, you know, if you have any other questions, I can talk with you after class, you know, more, you know, mm-hmm. because or, or like there's a lot of what ifs, you know, yeah. what if I did something else? What if you do that? Like you can't you can't address all of that in um in a single class or Mm -hmm. or in even in that moment so like because that's just how how deep jujitsu goes Mm -hmm. um but i would prefer that a student have this mindset than not to ask any questions at all you know because Mm -hmm. then it's kind of like well are they understanding it do like um do they really really like understand the concept are they really grasping it like do they need help or are they just afraid of asking like i don't right i i like having communication um with my students um with anybody in general because it's kind of like especially when i'm a, i'm i'm instructing it's like i need to know as an instructor how can i make your learning experience better like how can mm, right. how can i make this experience the best for you right like i don't want to just be yelling at people i don't want to just be you know um telling people to do things that I wouldn't do myself. That's, that's always like a, a, a really big thing with me. It's like, I will never ask my students to do something that I had never done myself. Like mm. if, if I've never done it, I'm definitely not going to be forcing or screaming at my students to be doing it, you know? Right. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, I just, I want to be able to make sure that I can provide um I like the right service you know i i like yeah. i don't want to say like my students are like my customers but i mean they are they do help me pay my bills <laughs> yeah um but i want to be able to be a good instructor as well and being mm-hmm. a good instructor doesn't just happen from being good at jujitsu it, it comes from being able to um hear what a person is saying and then being able to uh communicate back to them um what their needs are and how they can fill, you know, fulfill those needs in a language that they understand, you know. So mm. um, this is one of the, the aspects of, of teaching that I really, really enjoy because um, people learn in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And sometimes asking, uh, answering a question just straightforward is like, oh, you're going to do it like, you know, like this. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense, you know, like, oh, right. you have to come use an analogy. You have to compare it to something else. And then, oh, maybe they have a visual or maybe they just need to. Right actually do it in order to mm-hmm. learn you know um yeah the inquisitive mindset should never stop you should never stop asking questions like as a black belt you know i still ask questions you know right. like whenever i'm in class especially when professor is teaching like i'll ask about like oh i noticed the grip here do you are you pulling it are you pushing it are you you know is this a matter which way you grab you know and and he all joke he's like oh another question another je- question and i know he's joking <laughs> it's like that's not going to deter me because it's like mm-hmm. yeah like this is i this is my time to learn you know like mm-hmm. i i i'm always uh, i would say i'm always the teacher but more often than not i'm the instructor of the class you know so right. anytime i get to learn like uh, yeah i'm gonna be asking questions mm-hmm. you know i can't sure. ask i can't ask a computer questions you know like i can study online i'm like oh i see this technique and and i can figure it out on my own but man, if you have 
the privilege and the ability to be able to ask your 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 professor directly like oh you know I was watching this technique and I had questions about this like do it you know and and that should yeah again continue from white belt all the way through black belt and beyond because again as, even as a first degree black belt I'm still answering questions I'm asking questions mm. in class like hey like, can you show that one more time can you can you, um, what are you doing over there with your leg? Are you know, how are you loading? Um, basic stuff. And, and a lot of the times too is sometimes people are afraid to ask questions. So Yeah, no, and I mean, coming from me personally, I mean, jujitsu is something that helped me with, my, like I talked about the fact that I dealt with social anxiety a lot and jujitsu helped me so much in the fact that you have to ask questions. You, no one's going to read your mind. So you have to be able to communicate what you want to, what you want to know. And you're going to be with people, you know, class is class and you're going to be around people, whether you like it or not. So it was something that helped me kind of through like a semi academic atmosphere, something I was like really familiar with, like asking questions and interacting with people in class that helped me break out of that. So I think the more people kind of put themselves into that class setting the easier it becomes to ask uh, to ask the questions or to ask the instructor things because like with anything else I think everyone experiences that intimidation at first with asking questions oh, yeah. that they don't want to feel like I don't know things or they're going to think I'm dumb or something like there's no like I, and there's a reason why most instructors say it. there's no stupid questions like there's just just ask just ask if you yeah. legitimately don't know yeah like and it's, it's funny because, you know, I remember when I was a kid growing up, I get picked on at school for asking questions, you know, oh, like, yo, dude, Christina, just shut up. Stop asking questions. I'm like, dude, I need to know what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Or like, or the more information the person had was just like, oh, you're such a nerd. Oh, you're such, you know? And mm -hmm. in jujitsu, it's the complete opposite. It's kind of like the person who has the information is like oh my god like they're the popular yeah, one exactly. you know and it's so it's like it's such a trip because you know i got picked on i got bullied when i was a kid and mm -hmm. like and it almost made me feel ashamed of being smart you know like yeah i like you know so i ended up doing a lot of things by myself like oh i'll just do my homework by myself or do this project by myself or you know and and it sucks because you know that when people are partnering up with you they're partnering up with you because they know that you'll just do all the work, you know? Yeah. And they're doing and, that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this sucks, you know? Um, and, um, and yeah, and then you get picked up and like, Oh, you're know it all. You're do, 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 you know? And I'm like, fuck, like, I just, I just, I'm, you know, I want to learn more about the subject. Mm -hmm. Do you think that and comes so, from like maybe people's own insecurity a little bit? Like the fact that they're just trying to like project that they don't know something. So they're trying to like diminish I think so. I mean, like, that, I mean, that's like, it's childish behavior. I mean, we're mm -hmm. saying that this happened to me when I was like in elementary, middle, and even in some cases, high school too, you know? Right. So like, it's definitely something that happens in your adolescence. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen now, but definitely is it, when someone is triggered by someone asking a question, it's, it almost like makes you wonder, like, why are you so infuriated by questions? You know, mm. like, like, are you afraid that you're going to hear something that you want to hear? Or are you afraid that you're going to hear something that goes against everything that you believe in? Like, are you mm -hmm. just like, it, it almost feels like it's like, um, like an unwillingness to open up or to learn, you know? Uh, 
like I like I feel like um you know not 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 without passing judgment but I feel like again again this is just you know my my my, from my own experience I Mm -hmm. feel like anytime a person has been unwilling to listen to information it's because they only want their view of the world to be that like they just like this is my view and I want and I don't want that view to change because this is the way it's always been and it's always the way I've always done things and um you know you're wrong I'm right and I don't I don't want that to be questioned, right? Because like no one wants their reality to be questioned, right? Like, mm-hmm. like everything I know is a lie. You know, for some people, like that's just really hard to handle. Um, yeah, I definitely went. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, like, for a lot of people, I think the the scary part about that is, if you know you've come to the conclusion that everything you know is a lie what's next? Like, what are you going to do? So that's not the case. And I think a lot of people really psych themselves out, like you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier with how do I do that? How am I going to start addressing things? And I think people, I think that might be one of the reasons why people overwhelm themselves with that a lot is a, like a a lack of not a lack of knowing how to fix things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we just, I have a hammer. I smash it with a hammer. That's you know, and yeah, it's like, people... you know, you have other tools and a hammer to use, right? Mm, exactly. <laughs> right. And so, again, this is kind of like the whole, like, working smarter, not harder thing. I mean, you can work hard, but you can also work smart, you know, and um, and you can always alleviate that workload. I mean, again, simply just by asking questions or by being open to new new information or more information, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, there can be information overload. Like you don't need to nitpick every single little tiny little micro detail. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and if you did need that clarification, you know, like, okay, that can be done personally, like, you know, not in class time, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always, I will always definitely, um, uh, what you call it, recognize that or acknowledge that with a student. Like if, if I feel like they're asking a lot of what if questions, I don't want to shut them up because I don't want them to feel discouraged to ask more questions later on. I want them mm-hmm. to keep asking questions because more often than not, the question that they're asking is something somebody else would probably wanted to ask too, but they didn't have the right. courage to raise their hand, mm-hmm. right? Again, like they didn't want to ask because like you said, they don't want to look dumb. They don't want to look stupid. Or also they don't want to look like, um they're being needy and taking class time from everybody else Mm. who just wants to drill the move right Right, like we just want to drill the move you know there's there are some people who are like that you know um like case in point when when i was a white belt and before um you know professor kyle was the head instructor of caesars you know whoever was teaching it was really just straightforward again old school mentality someone would show like one or two moves they were really quick with it not too much detail just like do this 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 tried a few times okay let's train Cause that's all they wanted to do. They didn't really mm-hmm. care about the learning technique part. I mean, yeah, it was part of it. They, cause they want to learn more tools to beat each other, beat each other up with. Cause again, there was like that old school, like, great yeah. trade hard mentality. Right. Um, but yeah, no one really spent too much time in um, really breaking things down and no one really asked questions because mm-hmm. how the, you know, um, how the technique was taught was just so basic. It was just like, okay, you grab here, you grab here, you pull any questions. All right, let's go. And no one wanted to ask questions. It's like, oh, because they just want to get to rolling right away. Right. You know, they just want to mm-hmm. get to the fun part. The fun, yeah. And 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 I get that, right? Mm-hmm. No one wants to stay in class if they can just go straight to recess or you know lunch break, yeah, or whatever. That's a good analogy right? for sure. <laughs> right, but like, man, there there are times where it's like that 
it, it makes it makes the rolling time even better because like well can you imagine you know oh you just paid attention in class if you're really like that time could have been a lot more enjoyable and then the time that you get to you know play outside right is even funner because you, you work so hard in class like mm-hmm. i feel like there's like that good conscious and the same thing like okay like maybe you're struggling with the technique in class but it makes the the live rolling time that much more appreciated and fun mm-hmm. One, because you have new things to play with. If you weren't able to apply that, you know, that new thing that was taught in class right away, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to learn how to defend against uh, against it from, you know, someone else in class who's trying to learn it. Yeah. You know? And and then it's forcing you to like, okay, like I need to do better. Like I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I can't do the same thing I'm doing over and over again. I got to try new things. I got to try and, and see how it fits. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, 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 always 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 love like the instruction part simply because i just crave information and mm-hmm. um and i feel like if people like again why i love jujitsu is because people literally can embrace being a nerd but they're also athletes at the same no, time it's so awesome I like it so, <laughs> so much we're all a bunch quick. of like we're like nerdy ass jocks <laughs> it's crazy know? who knew that there could be a middle ground honestly that's just right great. right like we're freaking we're really big nerds we really are like the best people in the sport we're nerds we are nerds for this sport it's a but we're it's, also it's just very cerebral athletes. yeah it's a cerebral sport you have to be fully conscious and you have to be willing to learn because again if you don't if you can reach plateaus or you can be limited and to just to, to go back with that, with, with the learning techniques, maybe there's, you know, some people want to go through it or just skip it. But for me, it was always the fun of being able to go back to the technique. So maybe I wasn't able to do the technique from the certain class, but then I start thinking, okay, how about that one from last class? Or how about the one I've been working on? And then that one will work. And it's just the implementing of all that you've learned. It, it's that's for me, what was like really really addictive about jujitsu because I, I would feel my improvement and then I would be able to implement it. Yeah. Um, like when you get that aha moment where everything just kind of clicks and you're just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, I just did that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that worked. You know, there, <laughs> there have been so many times I cannot tell you how many times there have been where I was working so hard to get a technique down. Never once got it right in training. Never, not once. And the first time I ever get it right is in a tournament. I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you're like, like this has never worked in training before. Why is it all of a sudden working now? You know, mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of that is just because it's like, wow, like you just keep practicing something over and over and over again, even though you're not getting the right results. You keep practicing it, and mm-hmm. you have to remember too that anything that you do in class, like everybody else is learning too. So everyone yeah. else is learning also how everyone to defend to what defend. it is that you're yeah. doing, right? But when you compete, you know, you're not competing against your teammates. So your opponents don't necessarily know the same things that you know or what your teammates know, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that worked. I'm like, <laughs> I, I literally remember I, I got, like, my, like, overhead, um, over-the-head sweep or balloon sweep. And I, there was literally a moment was like, like, I almost stopped. I was like, oh, my God, it worked. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Like, well, going. yeah i was like oh my god so we're here now or, or like the first time i passed the person's guard i uh, was just like all right grab the leg x pass and i'm like 
wow, yeah. <laughs> I am, this, this has never happened in class before. No, <laughs> you know? Yeah, same thing uh, for my last competition, the IBJJF one. So the one before that, I had a rough time and the dude was passing my guard. And the next one, I was like, okay, the last one, I had a moment where I was on top and half guard go like i kind of stopped for a second and then that let him recover and i just had that hesitation let him recover so as soon as i went into the next competition i just thought okay i always you know half guard is never something i wanted to stay at so i just gotta go and then as soon as i kind of performed i i just went through the movement of like the guard passes we were doing in class and i just ended up in mount and i was just like oh now i'm here and it just <laughs> kind of like, like takes <laughs> i was just like oh. <laughs> Stay now, here. now I'm just gonna stay <laughs> here, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes. You know, just stay. That'll be me yelling. Just stay. Take your time. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. You won't get called for stalling. Just stay. Yep. Yep. That's what. I, that's the first thing that popped up. I was like, Christina said no stalling here, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, just being. Yeah, it's weird how it comes out kind of unconsciously after you work so hard to get it ingrained it's just kind of like a quick moment it kind of takes you by surprise yeah i mean this would happen a lot to me when i was dancing you know when i was strictly mm. just doing um ballet and jazz um or even when i when i stopped doing ballet and started you know getting the break dancing there was a lot of times where i was ha i was struggling with the technique or struggling with the move i'm like man why the hell can i not get this and I'd be trying to like just grind and grind and grind to getting it to the point where it's just like you know what i'm frustrated i'm just gonna stop and then, um, you know, like, we'll just step away from that for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, I revisit that same thing and I do it perfect. Like, what the heck was that? Mm -hmm. You know, like, just two weeks ago, I was like, I couldn't even make sense of this move or this, this technique. And all of a sudden, now I'm doing it perfect. Like, I've been doing it forever. <laughs> and yeah, and, um, and it, was, it, it had always been like, oh, that's so weird. And then, you know, my instructor was just like, oh, yeah, that's the muscle memory. You know, sometimes if mm. you if you look at it too closely, you can't see it, you know, because you're just too hyper focused. So you need to step back a little bit and then let the pieces like fall into place. You yeah. Know? And let was... and let your let your mind and your body connect to what it is that you're trying to do. Right. right? Yeah. You're exactly. trying to force information on your body. And your body's just like, eh. yeah, I feel like if you like you said, just step back and you let your mind kind of take that information and just let it sit that when you go back to it and you revisit it it's almost as if it kind of cemented it kind of like permeated a little bit and just your mind was able to like process it better while yeah you like away. more open to accept it just mm -hmm. like okay we can try this you know and so i i can i i there's been so many times that has happened you know in dancing and in jujitsu or you know in general it's just like well wow like oh, i couldn't do this before but all of a sudden i can do it and, and sometimes it just takes for you to step back a little bit, just be like, oh, okay, you know, especially when something's like really, really frustrating. Sometimes the best thing to do is just kind of take a little breather, try to do something that's a little outside of what it is that you're doing, reset, and then revisit it again later. And then maybe it'll be a little bit better because you're not so hyper-focused. Like I said, mm. sometimes you get too close and you can't see the whole picture, you know, because you're just you know looking at all like oh this dot here that scratch there and you don't you don't see everything yeah there's a whole picture back. outside yep yeah was it like a like a rembrandt right is that that's the artist who was who's known for that rembrandt was the one 
where I, he, I believe uh, so. Yeah. Where he did a lot of like small. Um, the the dots uh, or the little. Yeah, dots or yeah, 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 yeah. jokes, and so if you stand too close, it just looks like a bunch of like colorful dots. jumbled yeah. mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to really be able to step back to mm-hmm. see the whole picture and see how everything works together. And um, you know, I definitely feel like that is the case a lot of times with with um, with jujitsu or any type of uh, movement that you're learning that your body has to learn for the first time. Um, so very, very applicable with jujitsu. Sometimes you can't just um, be hyper-focused on like that one, one detail. Sometimes you just need to step back. And then once you see the whole thing, then you can dive back in together, you know, then mm-hmm. dissect, you know. It's kind of like you see the big thing and then you start breaking it down into like smaller parts and smaller parts and smaller parts and smaller parts as opposed to the other way around. I feel like this is the reason why people have a hard time making uh, assembling IKEA products. Like, <laughs> like I don't understand it. Like, I love I love assembling things. Like, I love Legos. I love puzzles. Uh-huh. So IKEA is just like adult Legos for me, right? So I like the idea of little pieces coming together to make mm. one big final pro- um, like project. But I feel like a lot of people. Um, are like the opposite of that where they see all these little parts are just like what is this what is yeah, this where does like, this go and it's know? just like dude just one page of the instructions at a time that's all it yeah is, exactly right? like how does this become this like why are these extra parts i'm like yo it's not that hard it's not mm-hmm. it's not rocket science like just, <laughs> just follow the instructions and like don't take like you know like just page at a time you'll be fine you know like count out what you have there might be some extras that's cool you know, like, yeah. like I love Ikea. I love Ikea. And so no, I, that's I, really cool. You know? Just like Legos. I, I didn't think about it that way. Lego sets for furniture, basically. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, so if you can think of uh, approaching jujitsu in that same way, you know, if you look at all these little parts, like, oh, my God, you know, there's like, there's a balance. There's a balance between understanding the details and all like um, the techniques and the concepts that go about the final product you know, mm. but again, if you focus on just too many of like the individual details and not understanding that they actually go together, then you're going to miss the whole thing entirely. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to work, you know? So yes, you need to, you need to know the details. You need to understand why things work in order for the whole thing to work together. Also, you don't want to spend your time like, okay, this screw, you know, and then, and then mm-hmm. hyper focusing mm-hmm. on that, you know? At the same time, also not just looking at the big thing. You're like, well, I just want to do that really cool move right there. Like, yeah, you want the final product, but you have to do the assembling first. Mm-hmm. And you can only assemble once you understand what it is that you have to assemble with. Exactly. Know? Yeah, you right? have to understand you the don't, parts. Mm-hmm. You can't just start building IKEA furniture. You can't just open it up <laughs> and just start building. No, like you literally, there's a process. The process is this. You open the box. You find the instructions. Mm-hmm. You find you find the parts, the, the like the the parts packets, right? You like, and then you start looking through that that pamphlet, and it tells you what's included. Okay, you're gonna have this many boards, this many planks, right? The in, in these bags, you're gonna have these kind of like little bolts and screws and things, right? And and then you have to layer, and it tells you the number of what you have, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to lay everything out. And you have to lay everything out and you look at it all right, all right, cool. So this is these are like the small parts, these are the big parts, small parts will come together to bring the big parts together, big parts come together, you have your final final product, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is the way that you can do it, like where you know, like, oh, okay, you'll know when you have extra parts ahead of time. 
But if you don't do any of that extra, you don't do the prep time to actually look at everything yes. that's in front of you, you're going to get lost. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the heck? And then you're going to have to disassemble it. Then you have to go back. And then, and then if you didn't just, just slow down in the beginning to understand everything that was in front of you, then you're just going to be like, oh, well, this IKEA furniture is crap. No one can understand how to put it together. It's just, it's just, mm. a, it's just a mystery. I'm like, it really isn't. You really just had to. Just Some people to, just want to you know? like jump over the instructions. They just want to yeah, like get right into yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so yeah, IKEA as a metaphor for life. <laughs> <laughs> Great metaphor. Anybody yeah. can take a lesson from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't just trust me. There are certain things where it's just like, yeah, you're just gonna have to dive right in. But there's other mm-hmm. things that which require a little bit more attention, and sometimes it just takes that extra five minutes for you to just assess everything. Yeah before jumping in you're like okay all right and you know and during that assessment things become i'd say less intimidating right because mm-hmm. you're gonna have that information in front of you and and, and your choice is like we can either be overwhelmed or be like oh my god this is so much information or you can look at it more of like oh well i have a lay of the land now it's kind of like being given a map right like mm-hmm. yeah like there's so many places you can go like there's all these roads and lines and freeways and i like yeah um but like the possibilities like oh exactly yeah you have to look at both right like go i have my nerd side too and like most video games have a mini map and they have the big map if you get caught looking at the big map there's all these locations all these little things you got to do all these objectives all these quests but if your mini map and you focus on your one quest and you do one thing at a time then it all then before you know it then you're putting dents into the big map you know what i mean so yeah yeah I'm um, going back to the dance. This is just an idea I had, um, you know, ever since I started doing jujitsu, I started realizing you get really acquainted with people and like their body type and, and you know, wrestling with people. It, it always intrigued me how people's like different physical backgrounds came and played into something like jujitsu, which is like pretty combative and it's person versus person. So in terms of like dancing, how much like would you say like that helped your jujitsu out? Oh, tremendously. Really? I, yeah. yeah. Um, right off the bat, the things I could tell you that jujitsu, uh, that dancing has given me um, a huge advantage in learning jujitsu is simply body awareness is like the mm. big one. I know where my body is in space. So when someone tells me to do something like you put your hand here, like it makes sense. You know, mm. um, there's there's a certain rhythm and timing of doing things. Like there's a certain feel to things. Um, I really don't know how to explain this um, unless you're a dancer or if you're someone who like someone who's done a sport for an extended amount of time, you know, when something feels right and you know, when something feels wrong. Right. Mm. And there's this very specific way in which like movements go together um, in which it works. Right. Right. Um, I'm not saying that everything has to look pretty and graceful, you know, like, um, but the thing is, it's like, like that, as, you know, especially I spent um, eight years doing ballet, uh, classically okay. trained in ballet. And people are like, oh, it's so easy you're doing that, you know, you know, like mm. foo-foo. Like, I don't know about like, easy. Man, like, That's, yeah. I've heard, like, I've seen ballet. They're like, doing some stuff. They're it's doing some so pretty- hard. <laughs> yeah, they're they're working in there. Valley is so hard, and you know why it's so hard is because we have to make some. The reason why it get crapped on is because 
we have to make something that is extremely hard and difficult look effortless and easy, mm. right? When you're when you're performing it, you smile and you're graceful <laughs> and you make it look like it's nothing, but it's like, man, the amount of body control and muscle control and having to do so many different things at the same time. Like I have to point my foot and flex that foot and elevate and then hold. And then I'm going to spin and then I'm going to jump. Right. And it's so, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's crazy. Cause it's like the first time anyone called me athletic, I think I was like 22 years old. No one has ever called me athletic before mm. then. I've been dancing since I was five. Dancing <laughs> is a very athletic thing to do. Yeah. Like it requires athleticism to be very good at dancing. Um, but no one called me athletic because I wasn't an athlete. I didn't play any sports. And so I was like, wow, you really think I'm athletic? Well, they're like, dude, you're literally an athlete. And it's like, you, and you see physically what you're capable of doing. Like you wouldn't be able to do this unless you were athletic. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I never thought of that. And so dancing has for sure given me um, the body control, the, the spatial awareness, mm-hmm. the timing, the rhythm. Um and in general, the ability to be able to see movement and translate it into my body. So I can see uh. what a person does and um, and I can, it's almost like a little matrix moment. I can see what someone does and I can kind of like download it and then have, have, an, have a feel for how it's supposed to do it. And if it doesn't feel right or look right, I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem like I can, I'll recognize it right away. Like if something is mm. wrong, wrong, like. I'm like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. Like something, something's a little weird with this, you know? And, and then I'll break things down as much as I can. And then I'll ask questions, you know? So um, dancing, ha- I feel like has been like the biggest um, say asset or like my biggest like card, you know, my little, like, little trump card. That's like- For sure a foundation, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's like, it's, dancing has been something that just gives me something like movement, right? Movement, mm. movement, right? It doesn't, um, yeah, like there's like timing and like, you know, being strong and fast, but like, if you understand movement, that that's the key that opens up all the doors, right? Mm. Mm. Because it doesn't matter, again, doesn't matter if it's in basketball, weightlifting, right? If you understand perfect movement and not saying that what I do is perfect, but if you understand like how to move efficiently, Yes. you can have a greater output, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can lift more weight, you can go longer, you can maintain position. Um, there's just so much more that you can do physically mm-hmm. when you're not exerting unnecessary energy into something. Right. You know, if you're, do- if you're doing something efficiently uh, and understanding movement and-, and breaking down movements, that's all part of, you know, I feel like being really, really good at jujitsu because um, now it's like, you're not just seeing move, like this move here, this move here, this move here. Everything is kind of fluid. They all just kind right. of move together. They're not, they're not individual moves, but they are something that, um, transitions from one to another and back and forth. Like it right. is a flow, it is a flow. Like jujitsu literally is a dance, um, hmm. disguised as violent cuddling. Yeah, no, that's for me. That was the part I had to get used to was like the flow aspect because I came in high school. I came from football, which is very rough, and it's like it's very physical, but it's it's rigid. It's super stiff. Like there's not a lot of technique and fluidity in it, especially the position I played because I was heavier, so I played like the front line, and it was just imagine you heavier, just chunky, just like chubby. Like it wasn't like. I just had a weight all over my body, like more. Okay. 
Okay. And like, yeah, no, I, I literally was a different person in high school <laughs> and uh, in football, I, the, the, it gave me the physicality, but getting the fluidity down of jujitsu and just, and like you're saying, like how you could see when things aren't right. I think dancing to that, that definitely gave you an advantage with that because you can see like how people's body mechanics, if they're like efficient or if they're kind of off and that like, once I started doing jujitsu more, I kind of felt that in myself and i felt my like awareness get better and like coordination get better so it like take like for someone who didn't have that before learning that was it's like super useful definitely helps a lot to get an yeah. understanding of that yeah i'd say like, it's, again it's one of the hardest concepts to teach i feel like because like how can you teach someone to feel something with their body you know mm -hmm. like what is that you know it's such a um um what's the word i'm looking for I'm doing the Filipino thing where I can't think of what it is that I want. Like, I'm going to grab it out of thin air. I'm going to get oh, the idea of in my head. Um, it's such a, not ethereal, um, it, it's, it's just something you can't really grasp, you know? Like, oh, no, I, I just had it and now it just flew away from yeah. me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let me do my left um yeah so it, it's just like it's it's one of those concepts that you can't just immediately solidify in a person because mm -hmm. it you know everyone's understanding um or level of understanding is very very different so mm -hmm. you have to I, I it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like again you say like you have to feel it and you're like well what am i supposed to feel it's like well when you feel mm -hmm. it you'll know exactly <laughs> And for me like, yeah and when you tell somebody that who doesn't really they're just like what you, when am i gonna feel this i'm not like what, are you yoda are you like Ben <laughs> kenobi what is this like the using the force or yeah. like mr miyagi like and and like you know like like not to joke but like it's true like it's these are like real things like mm. there are certain things it's like i can tell you and explain things till i'm blue in the face or until you're annoyed of hearing my voice but like you're really only going to understand it until you like until you feel it like mm -hmm. until you feel like like recognizing when something feels right and when something feels wrong and then recognizing it right away and then you'll so like professor will know is like you say like yeah like i'll know when my when a move isn't gonna well, work or not if my grip is messed up by like an inch you know of course that's mm. like that's in an extreme case because his brain just functions on a way different level that i i, I cannot I cannot comprehend. <laughs> yeah. It does not compute. I just, I don't fight with it. I just be like, he is incredibly intelligent. When he, how he teaches it makes sense. I don't mm -hmm. see things the way he sees things, but he's doing a really good job of trying to communicate how mm -hmm. he sees things. He's seeing into like two weeks from now. That's cool. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, I thank you for having the belief that we could see that far. Uh, but uh, we're just, you know, we're just going to trudge along and try to follow you. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and it's only until like, like, again, you have to find all the different ways that something just doesn't work in order for you to find the way that does work, you know? And, um, and again, this is only everyone's sense of um, like everyone's, gauge is different you know so what's a good distance for me might be like not a good distance for you what's good timing for me may not be good timing for you um mm. and certain options that are available to me may not be available to you you know it's the reason why like you have like some of these lower belts um who are learning advanced techniques and they can't ever use them because their opponents 
don't give the proper setup, right? Oh, right. Right. You have like a lot of um, like blue belts like, man, like, you know, I'm learning these high level techniques and they don't ever work against anybody like, or, you know, my, my belt level, you know, like they only work on purple or brown belts. And they're like, well, probably because the purple brown belts are giving you the realistic, you know, reaction, mm-hmm. you know, and the blue belts and the white belts are just kind of like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> completely different animals. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like- you know like sometimes i have all roll with people i'll be like why are you doing this this is confusing me <laughs> i i remember there was this one time where this was like the last class before everything shut down and then we rolled and then i did something and i don't know why i tripped or something and you're just like why'd you fall <laughs> like against anybody <laughs> like against anybody else that would be standing up i was just like i don't even know why i fell honestly <laughs> Like and I understand that sometimes I can say things or just like oh it cuts my soul like I want oh, to try no, this. It's, no, 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 <laughs> I yeah. to say it like I like that, to me like... now to me now <laughs> whenever my instructors joke with me or roast me I love it I love it it's great it just makes me feel like I don't know camaraderie like it just it feels it feels fun to joke around because it's just it's a serious enough of an endeavor so yeah, having yeah, fun yeah. at the same time is it's pretty necessary I don't know. Well, there was this one time I was um, coaching, you know, Jess, yeah. and um, <laughs> and um, she was doing well. I think she like won one, and then she lost like her second one, or I can't remember which tournament it was, but she lost the match. And it was a really big tournament, so there's a lot of people. You know, it's super loud. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, um, "Can you hear me? Like, can you hear me when I'm coaching you?" But she thought I was asking it like can you even hear me when I'm coaching you? And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. So she's like, I, I understand that, like, you said you didn't say that to cut me, but, Dan, that really cut me. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, no, I, I, I really meant, like, not, like, can you hear me? Like, are you even listening to me? But, like, can you hear me as in, can you literally hear me? Because it's, su- yeah. it's super loud. And it's this is, like, you know, this is a big whenever- event. I yeah, I think whenever it was, the, your voice, like your tone comes off, even like a little bit different, it, it, it can skew the message like completely different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a pretty loud voice. It cuts through a lot. You mm-hmm. know, I'd say um, at tournaments, you hear majority male voices. And so uh-huh. I feel like the pitch and tone of my voice just kind of like. Perfect. You know? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> very like, useful. Um, you know, everyone's like, wow, I was like, how are you so loud? Like, man, I can always hear you. It's like, how can I hear when I'm all the way across on the other side? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and just very effective. But um, but yeah, like I, I asked her, it's like, can you even hear me? And, and I think she thought I was so like, can you even hear me? Like, are you even listening? Because, <laughs> you know, because she lost the match. I was like, no, it wasn't like that. Uh, I was just more yeah. like, concerned, can you actually hear me? Because it's loud here. <laughs> and there's a lot of people. Lots of people. And um and I was just concerned if you could <laughs> if you could hear me coaching you or not because you know it's a there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, tournaments they're just it's a lot like it's a lot going on and it, it's there's a lot of like distractions at the moment. But for me, like the the really cool thing for me to learn about tournaments was just how how to like zone all of that out yeah. and focus on myself, focus on what you have to do. That's like that was something I had to get used to in and of itself, just the environment. Yeah. That, that first time going to a tournament, it's pretty overwhelming. Um, if you prepare yourself ahead of time, it's even better. You know, like 
I remember mm. my first time competing, I had to visualize a lot. Um, you know, my first time competing in jujitsu, I was like, I mean, I was a little excessive, but I was just like, you know what, better, better be prepared than, you know, and at that time, they didn't have uh, the list of competitors mm. um, listed by category. They only had competitors listed by team. Okay. So if you wanted to find out how many people were in your division, you literally had to scroll through the entire list and find, like for me, it was like I had to find every female white belt featherweight. And I had to go through the entire list until I found every single one of them. Right. Yeah. And so, and so every day I would go through this list and, um, and I would add new names you know, I'd add new names to the list. Like, oh, this is a new name. It's a new name. You know, and I think by the end, the by the end of uh, um, what I did, I think I had like twenty six or something like that, like names on this list. It was the first name, last name, and and um, and I think they're, I think I put their team too, or maybe I didn't. I don't remember, but I definitely put the first and their last name. And every single night going to bed, I would um, just imagine like a faceless person. Um, and then I would say that person's name. So, um, and so what I was doing was that every single day I did this and my excitement level was like, Oh my God, adrenaline. And it would take mm-hmm. forever for it to like go back down. And then I do it again, like, ah, ah, you know, and then eventually it just started oh, getting okay. a little bit more normalized. So by the time that I got to the tournament, any name that I heard that I would be having to fight, it wasn't a surprise. You know, like, oh, I heard this name before. You know, I wasn't like, oh my God, who's this person? What school are they from? You know, oh my God. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so, and then I also had, luckily, I also had a lot of ignorance on my side. I did not know what, um, I didn't know what stripes were. Because, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, uh, Kyle had, wasn't really doing stripes yet. So, okay. I had like a karate white belt. It didn't even have the black tab on it. Oh, wow. So I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what the pieces of tape were. So I just kind of went in and, um, you know, I was, I was already accustomed to hearing the name. So that was cool. Like no name that I heard would surprise me. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to, ready to go against this person. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I heard this name so many times every night before I went to sleep, you know, and I mm. pictured like me with my gi and, you know, and, and, um, and and then I you know I got out there and um and, and I won and it was just kind of like well like this is cool you know and, and even like things were like things didn't work you know like again like uh, my first match I went for a flying arm bar the girl tapped but the referee didn't see and then she kept going I was like what the heck I'm like oh mm-hmm. you know and I didn't know that I had to hold until the referee told me to stop you know or i right. didn't know that i should hold until the referee told me to stop you know mm-hmm. i was just like oh well i felt her tap you know right um but then luckily like um you know i ended up in a good position and then i was able to pass i landed inside control and and then that's when i i could hear her breathing and i, I heard she was like panicking she's like <laughs> i was like whoa mm-hmm. she's freaking out she's freaking out and then i realized like oh i'm not i'm not doing that like, I'm like yeah. am, I doing, am I breathing like that? And I realized I wasn't breathing like that. And mm-hmm. I like my confidence shot right through the roof. Um, and then I was able to like, um, I was able to, I think I mounted and I got the arm bar. I, I know I got the arm bar again. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and I finished through that time. 
and and it's crazy because it's just like like from the time that I had signed up and I was you know preparing my mind to be in that environment and then even within the match and having that little mini aha moment where I realized that I was breathing normally and she wasn't it's like whoa like these are like those are like like the little like epiphanies that I had that I didn't necessarily mean to have and they were like again big confidence boosters and and I didn't really have that much to work with when I competed the first time you know um as far as I didn't know any takedowns I didn't mm. <laughs> you know like yeah I was just like all right I want to get to my guard somehow and then I'm gonna try and go for an armbar or a triangle you know that's that's all I had in my mind and that's right. essentially what I did you and know? that then, then that little that that whatever visualization you did do helped you even more so mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That... It, it just helped me be familiar with like you know like I wasn't afraid of any names of course I was a white belt so I didn't need to be afraid of any names and you couldn't just look up people you couldn't look up your opponents back then you know mm -hmm. YouTube wasn't as big yet right so it's not like I could be like oh this person's done that you know I, I literally didn't know what stripes were until it was on the podium and oh, wow. I was like, yeah, like, I was like, what are, are those? stripes like arbitrary? Like, I see some people do them and some like schools do them and some schools don't. Are there, is it like kind of based on like the, the school or is it? Like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, if you wanted to follow like the IBJJF, um, okay. like, they you have, know, like, standards, the yeah, they okay. have like a thing like, yeah, but they don't tell you when you can give the stripes. So the stripes you can kind of give you know, at your own accord. Mm -hmm. But really all that matters is the time that an athlete is held at each belt level. Okay. You know, and so the stripes are kind of like the motivation in between each belts. And it's, and it's a show mm. of progress, you know, right. because, you know, it's some of the belts are going to be there for a while. Like you're going to be there for a minimum of two years. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice to know where your progress is in that mm. time span you know there are some people who are old school and they just like to have regular old plain belts and they're like you get promoted when you get promoted right you know um and and of course if they wanted to be recognized by the IBJJF, they still have to of course pay attention to like the times in which they were promoted like okay this person was definitely a blue belt for two years okay mm -hmm. this person was definitely a purple belt for you know um two and a half years whatever you know like at least there for the minimum times um but yeah stripes aren't necessarily regulated by the ibgf by ibdjf other than like you get a stripe um you need four stripes before you get to your next belt if okay. you decide to do stripes but i don't think they actually state how long a person has to have a stripe for in coordinates mm -hmm. of when they get promoted because that's again they just set the minimum times between belts okay like, there's no there's no actual um max time for white belt you can get okay. promoted from white to blue belt very quickly especially if like you have people who are um who are black belts in judo or right. like um high level like collegiate or division or you know whatever wrestling like yeah. wrestling right in mm -hmm. which case they are not allowed to compete as white belts they have to compete uh, as blue belts okay yeah but what would happen is that because that has to happen at um, in at a jiu-jitsu competition, they'll still wear a white belt at the gym, 
You know what I'm saying? Mm, I see. So they have right. to compete with a blue belt in a tournament because, you know, because of what they did in wrestling or, you know, what they do in judo, but they're mm-hmm. not a blue belt in jujitsu. They're still, right. black belt. you know, like they're, that's from a different sport, but it does translate a little bit. But what they do is that, that they, how they slow the curve down. It just means that they have to be held at blue belt a little bit longer. Okay. You know? I see. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I was just wondering because I've seen like all this discussion online on how it's, you know, it, it's how since jujitsu is one of the like, there's a lot of martial arts out there that maybe the effectiveness is in question, but this is one of the the few that are very solidified. It's like it's agreed upon. So people, I've seen people discuss like the importance about like having ranks and like recognized ranks and stuff. But I was always just curious because it's always been subjective. Like I've always seen that it's like always been up to like certain schools and stuff, but to hear that the IBJJF has like the official guidelines. I didn't even know that. So mm-hmm. like that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. They have official guidelines that, um, that people should adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like they're not like, like as far as like the stripes, I don't think that they, um, I don't believe uh, if I'm trying to think, I don't believe that they regulate on the maximum times of when you give stripes, they okay. just regulate the maximum times of the belts. The belts. Got it. Yeah. Um, and of course they have like guidelines for like for the kids, you know, they have, they have certain mm. guidelines, but you don't necessarily have to follow what they do, you know, like they're like, Oh, every hundred classes X, Y, Z, you know, like, cause sometimes ah, it could be like a okay. hundred classes for you to be reviewed and then maybe you'll get a stripe, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that those are different systems that other, um, like, uh, like I think like the Gracie Academy, um, like okay. Hiron and Henner, that's mm-hmm. something that they do. Like, um, and that's even something that we do over at HQ. It's not that every hundred classes you get a stripe, but it's like every one hundred classes we can rev- we can review you and see what that person knows. Like, okay, mm-hmm. do like have they really you know do they know the kind of information that we would expect for them to know within a hundred classes? Like, yes, right. okay, then we'll give them a stripe. No, like okay, maybe we'll hold up a little bit and and we'll just observe this person a little bit more to see if they're ready. Right. You know? That makes a lot so of that's sense. that's yeah that's why you, you always see a different variances of of like you know how, how and when people get um promoted and the other you know, thing too there's a lot things too that like uh that coaches and instructors and professors like to consider is what are the goals of the, of the student or the athlete mm. you know like is your goal to become like a world-class athlete or do you just want to be a hobbyist you know or do you want to just be like um like every now and then you compete but really it's not like your thing or do you just want to be completely i just do this for fun you know mm-hmm. and and every single person is going to be promoted under different standards i mean there's going to be some of course, there's going to be some things that they all share in common, especially at, at HQ, which is they have to know the fundamentals curriculum. They right. have to be at the belts for the, at least the minimum required amount of time mm-hmm. um, before they can get promoted. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, some people could get promoted sooner. Like people could be promoted right at the minimum time uh, where other people, you know, like they might be held for a lot longer. And and, um, and again, really, it's just based on what the students or the, you know, the athlete's goal is and, right. and an instructor or a coach professor, like really hearing what that, what that person is trying to accomplish and then trying to help them and see and try to keep them in check, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. you're telling me that you want to be a world-class athlete, but you only come to class, you know, two to three times a week, uh, two to three classes a week. You're not coming to comp class. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and you're and you're not you know you're not training with other other competitors like how how am I supposed to you know promote you if you're not training in accordance to what your goal is right you know mm-hmm. so it's like certain things need to line up now if someone was training two to three times a week um and they're not coming to comp training um and they're not training with the competitors but their goal isn't to be a competitor like they're just doing it for fun like yeah for sure they could probably they could probably get promoted like mm-hmm. um like and uh, they're gonna get promoted under a different standard than the competitor right, right. like like, oh, yeah, like, I don't expect you to, like, be more than here than two to three times a week, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're coming to your fundamentals classes, like, you, you know, you, you train in class, like, yeah, you don't need to come to comp class, that that doesn't really regard you, I mean, you can if you want to, but you're not a competitor, you don't want to be a competitor, that's not your thing, so why would I, why would I um, critique or, you know, hold that in consideration for promotion when that's something that's not even equipped, like, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't doesn't even apply right you know, so. so it makes a lot more sense and it to, to hear that the subjectivity also plays like the a really really huge role in it it, it makes sense yeah. everybody's doing it for a different reason so you have to take that into account too for sure mm-hmm. um so i don't want to take too much more uh, of your time here but i really appreciate you coming on for sure and talking to me about everything um just to wrap things up so do you have like any recommendations of what people should i mean like i bought like mats and i made like a grappling dummy out of one of my old things just so i could keep like have a sense of drilling and stuff like that is there any like other exercises because like running can get a little monotonous and you know weight training and stuff is there any like stuff that you'd recommend for people to do jujitsu to do just to keep try to keep as fresh as possible in in that area uh, movement drills. Movement drills are super, super important. And they're really, really easy to do. A lot of it is like, you know, even like doing leg drags in place, you know, that's mm-hmm. a squat, you know, if you have um, bands uh, that you can attach, or even like, you know, uh-huh. like those rubber bands, you can attach to the wall, like practice pulling those, you can practice like pulling resistance those, like, band like, things. Yeah, okay. you know, getting used to like, you're sitting up for your throws. Okay. Um, yeah, practicing your double legs, even mm-hmm. like, there's so many things that you can get better at. Um, that you don't necessarily need a person to do, uh, mm. but they aren't necessarily the funnest things to do. And you can also implement mm. them into your workouts too. Like uh, when I do my circuit trainings, especially when I'm like getting ready for big tournaments or, you know, especially when I like getting down weight, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would always make sure that I add in a double leg, you know, a, a double leg shot and a sprawl along with like a burpee or like, and then like some sort of sprint, you know, of course, like there's, yeah, it, it does get boring because, um jujitsu is a social is a social sport right you know like yeah. you can't do it by yourself and you know there's always so much you can do by yourself but the movement drills you can 100 percent do on your own um the more again the more that you understand movement the more you understand um how your body works the easier it is going to be for you to apply that movement and, and uh, how to maneuver your body when it comes to learning the actual technique so i'd say try to drill and recreate some of the techniques just the movement not necessarily the actual technique um let's see what if i can do Ooh, lots of core exercises stuff Mm. that activate your hips like explosiveness with the hips okay so like your triangle sit-ups anytime that you're like really shooting your hips up because Mm -hmm. um when you have hip activation that's also gonna help a lot with your guard and your sheeps and things like Mm -hmm. that so um I'd say um, do a lot of focusing on that. 
um more than anything it's just stay healthy like overall you know like Mm -hmm. you don't want to overwork everything like just like when you're lifting weights you kind of want to cycle like what days you you work out what Mm -hmm. um and and yeah there's gonna be certain things that you can drill but like i said like it's kind of some things are kind of pointless to drill if you don't have the proper resistance or the proper reaction yeah um but you can always drill the footwork that leads into that technique Mm. you know the timing of it um again the side to side um and let me think what else what else what else Mm. and then trying to this is like it's not a physical thing to do but try to see if you can uh, watch more matches and try to see if you can understand it and understand it like god what happened here you know going back watching the replay um Mm, even um studying the rules online which again is like the rule book is available online for free for anybody to 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 read and go through and and again there's so much more tools available now to studying that that makes it so much easier um like i think they have they have videos available like they 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 break down certain things and examples and photos so it's a lot more interactive Mm -hmm. great such a great upgrade that they've done um, oh, yeah, definitely. Try to see if you can go through that and learn to score matches. Like okay. learn to score matches while you're watching it. So this is like a really good way to like get your brain, you know, looking at jujitsu in a different way other than just learning it for yourself. But actually like learning to break it down and be like, oh, wow. So this is what our professors are seeing, you know. Mm. And oh, why why did this athlete do that as opposed to this, you know, or why where did they mess up? Or, you know, why was that? why was that takedown so effective or why was that pass so effective or wow, look at that scramble. And why did the referees score it that way? You know, mm-hmm. um, you'll, you'll learn a lot. You can start doing it with your own matches and then you can start graduating to like watching other matches and then learning how to, again, learning how to score. It's right. definitely a really valuable asset to have. Just to, yeah. For that situational awareness too, of certain points and how, how people are going to work for certain point or certain situations too. Mm-hmm. definitely useful for sure yeah um, well christina i really appreciate you coming on again thank you so much for coming on and dropping all this knowledge definitely uh you're welcome on back on anytime hopefully next time it's uh under better circumstances but for right now this is work. it's worked great um, yeah i hope you have a great rest of your day i hope you're holding up well and um stay safe and healthy of course and um yeah thanks so much again for coming yeah, on thank you for having me uh, can't wait to get back to hopefully things can get back to normal sooner than yeah later, but... hopefully training and everything gets back to normal sooner yeah, than later i mean i really miss my students i really really do i like i miss teaching i miss i miss being on the mat like again like i miss training yes but i miss the social aspect of being at the gym right. you know mm. like i i like uh, i definitely thrive from that so i can't wait to be able to get back to that yeah hopefully sooner than later for sure yeah all right thanks again christina so i'll let you do your thing get back to whatever you got today and uh once again uh thanks so much for coming on thank you see you and then